Now, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Genesis chapter 12. And we are, if you're a guest this morning, in a series of messages started just a few weeks ago. That we are calling Simply Amazing, the All-Sufficient Grace of God. And we began by looking at God's grace, the grace to believe. As we saw that in the early days, Adam and Eve. And then we turned and began to talk about the grace of believing and the grace of living. We saw that in the example of Noah. Last week, Joe did a wonderful job concluding that message. What a picture of grace Noah is. And what a testimony of grace uh, his life is. I was listening to Joe and watching on the internet while he was sharing. I thought of a story about a man who survived the great Johnstown, Pennsylvania flood, which took place May 31st, 1889. By amazement and amazing work of God, he survived, and he was a Christian man, and he dedicated the rest of his life to sharing his testimony about how God had saved him from the Johnstown flood. And for years he did this. And then finally the man passed away. And believe it or not, when he arrived in heaven, at that moment they were having a testimony service in heaven. And so he was so excited to share his testimony, spoke to the angel who was overseeing it and said, hey, I want to tell my testimony about surviving the great John T Johnstown flood. And the angel said, wonderful, you can follow this man right here after he's done. And he said, great, great. Now, what's his name? The angel said, oh, he's Noah. <laughs> All testimonies are not created equal, okay? <laughs> Not the same testimony, but it's the same grace of God, right? The same grace of God. And so now what we want to look at is the next great example of grace in the Bible, and that is the example of Abraham. And Abraham is an example for us of the grace for following. Grace for following the Lord. Abraham is the archetypical example of a follower of the Lord in the Bible. Both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, he is the example of what it means to be a follower of the Lord. He is the example of salvation by the grace of God. And so what I want us to do this morning is just begin with a little bit of an overview of Abraham's life. And I want us to see that he is an example of salvation. And first of all, he is an example of salvation by the grace of God. God, in his absolute grace, entered into a covenant relationship with Abraham. And our text tells us about that. Let's look at where Tara read from the scriptures earlier in Genesis chapter 12, we will see how this covenant of grace was first revealed to Abram. Verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, 
And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now here, this covenant of grace is revealed to Abram as God reveals himself to Abram. Abram was living with his father, his family. His father was Terah. He was living in the Ur of the Chaldees, which is the modern-day area of Iraq, probably near the ancient city of Babylon. And he, his father, his family, they left the Ur of the Chaldees. They started over the Fertile Crescent and came to the land, the area, actually city called Haran. Now, Haran is located in what would be modern-day Syria, just beyond the Golan Heights of northern Israel is Syria. And so in that area is where Haran was located. And there God graciously promised Abram that he would have a personal relationship with him. He promised that he was going to provide him with incredible blessings. And Abraham stayed there in Haran till his father passed away. And then he and his family started southward along the king's highway, as it was called. And they entered into the land of Canaan. Now, I remember several years ago when I was with a group touring Israel that I was able to see these gates on the king's highway that existed for over 4,000 years. And it was through these very gates that Abram and Sarah and their families moved into the land of Canaan. And I want to tell you, that was a goosebump moment for a history geek like me. So he followed the king's highway down into the land of Canaan. And there, he was blessed by God. His property increased, the flocks increased, Lot was blessed, his flocks increased, so they had to separate from each other. And then look in chapter 13, God reaffirms this covenant of grace with Abraham. Look at chapter 13, verse 14. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also will be counted. So here God reaffirms this covenant that he has made with Abram. But now turn to chapter 15, and the covenant is actually ratified. This is an amazing, an amazing moment where the covenant that God has spoken and Abraham has received is now going to be ratified in an actual ceremony. What an amazing story it is. Look at chapter 15. Abram has just returned from rescuing Lot and the citizens of the plain who have been carried off by a great army host led by Chedroleomer, and he has rescued them and brought them back. 
And when he returns, here's what happens. Chapter 15, verse 1. After these things of the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. The heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. That's one of his servants. And Abram said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Now, isn't this amazing? One time God says, if you can number the sands of the seashore, you'll be able to number your descendants. Now he says, look, look up in this mid-eastern sky. If you can number the number of the stars and you can number the number of my, the descendants, I will give you. And at that moment, Abram was still childless. Then God ratifies the covenant in a ceremony. Look at verse 7. He said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all of these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of the prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. And the sun was going down. And a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell on him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and they will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. That means the wickedness of the native people there had not yet reached the point where God in his justice would blot them out. He says, it will come in the fourth generation. Your people will come out of bondage in Egypt back to this place. Now notice verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt. That doesn't mean the Nile, but that is the river that separates from the Sinai Desert and the Negev, the south of, of Israel, from the river of Egypt all the way to the great Euphrates, I will give your offspring this land, the land of the Kenites, 
the Kenizzites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, the Jebusites, all the other ites. Right. Here we have this ratification of the covenant. Now you need to know this was a practice in Eastern, in the East in those times. When two people were making a contract, often to make it as solemn as possible, they would sacrifice animals, cut them in half, separate the pieces, and the two people of the, of the contract would walk between the two pieces from one to another, one end to another, testifying that before God, they would keep this covenant. And if they did not keep the covenant, then let happen to them what has happened to these animals that have been cut in two. Now that was a practice. But notice here, Abraham did not walk through these pieces. God himself, God alone, walked through these pieces of the sacrifice, pledging by his very identity as God that he would fulfill this covenant and all the promises that he was making to Abraham. Now, I would say that's a pretty secure promise, wouldn't you? It's unilateral. It has nothing to do with Abraham. It's all of grace. Abraham hasn't earned it. He doesn't deserve it. He's just a man graced by God. And it is for Abraham and his descendants. Now, notice, turn another page. This covenant of grace is repeated by God. <laughs> He repeats it in chapter 17, after the birth of Ishmael, that is, from Abram through Hagar, Sarah's servant. Here's what God says. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I may that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, which means father, but your name shall be Abraham, which means father of nations. For I have made you the father of of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make you into nations, and the kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after, after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. Note that this covenant would not come to an end in all history. It would continue even to this very day to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Now notice, he established this everlasting covenant. And then God repeats it once more in Abraham's life. Look at chapter 22. Turn the pages with me if you would in your Bible. Chapter 22, when he obeys God and offers up Isaac, who is the promised son through whom all these blessings will come, all the multitudes are promised to come. 
when God says offering him as a burnt offering and God puts Abraham's faith and love to the test and then God provides a ram in the place of Isaac. Here's what God says to Abraham in chapter 22, verse 14. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven. Angel of the Lord is met the messenger, God the messenger. It's God himself. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. Now, this is God making a covenant, reaffirming the covenant, ratifying the covenant, and repeating the covenant two more times. God committing himself that he would keep this covenant of grace that he had made with Abraham. Abraham is the example of salvation by grace alone. And friends, as we continue here in a few moments, you're going to see that by God's grace, if you are trusting in the Lord, that covenant is also a covenant with you as well. And what a God we have, how faithful he is. He's a covenant-keeping God. And so Abraham is this example of salvation by grace alone. But now notice also, Abraham is the example of salvation through faith alone. Through faith alone. How was this grace appropriated by Abraham? How did he receive this grace? How did it truly become his in experience? Friend, here's a verse you should mark in your Bible. Mark it down. It ties the Old Testament and the New Testament together. Here is how Abraham responded. Look at chapter 15, if you would. Chapter 15, note this verse. It is a key to unlocking the Word of God and all the treasures of the Lord right here. God made those promises to Abraham, and in verse 6, here's the response. And he, Abraham, believed the Lord, and he, God, counted it to him as righteousness. Here is the first time that we are given the statement of justification by faith. How is a sinner made right and declared right before a holy God? Only by the grace of that God who makes himself known, promises to save him and this sinful man trusts the word of the Lord and his faith is credited to him as righteousness. This is one of the keys of the Bible. It's picked up in the New Testament as we'll just see in a few minutes. Friends, here's what it means. There's only one way 
anyone has ever been saved. Every person who has ever been saved has been saved by faith in God. Only faith. No one was ever saved by keeping the law. Because we can't keep the law. The law showed us God's standard, but we couldn't keep the standard. All that law could do was show us that we needed to be saved, but we had to be saved by grace. And so the law just points us to Christ so that we recognize there is an answer, there's hope, because a Savior has died, taken our place. He's kept the law that we have broken. He's accepted the curse of all the broken law in himself on the cross. And when we believe, God credits that to us as righteousness. The righteousness of Christ is credited to us and our sin is credited to Christ who bore it on the cross. Now, you may say, well, what's this have to do with Abraham? Friend, Abraham didn't know about Jesus. Nobody in the Old Testament knew exactly about Jesus, so how are they saved by faith? They were looking to God. God was promising a Redeemer was coming. And so they believed God. They looked to God. But where was God looking? God was looking to His Son, Jesus, on the cross. God is eternal God. There's no past. There's no present. There's no future with God. Jesus Christ is, is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. And when people looked to God in faith in the Old Testament times, God was looking to His Son who would die in their place, who would satisfy His demands, who would be raised from the dead, and on the basis of their faith in Him, God credited the righteousness of Christ to them. Friend, there's only been one way ever anyone was ever saved. And that's through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and his glorious resurrection. He believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, salvation is only through faith in Jesus. And Abraham is the father. He is the father of those who have faith. He's the spiritual father of those who have faith. All people of faith are received. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Who are the sons and daughters of Abraham? The spiritual sons and daughters of Abraham are not his physical descendants necessarily. The spiritual sons and daughters of Abraham are those who share the faith of Abraham. This is what Paul says in Galatians. Take your Bible and turn over to the New Testament. Come, be ready to come back here in just a minute. But I want you to look at the book of Galatians, and I hope you take time to turn there and see what God has to say. Galatians chapter 3. Paul is talking about Abraham. He's talking about those who are the sons and daughters of Abraham. And here's what he says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. There yet, you find uh, Ephesians. Okay, keep looking. Galatians, Ephesians. All right, here we go. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. 
Listen to Paul. Know then that those of faith is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, justify the Gentiles, not just the Jews. Abraham's the first Jew, remember that? He's the first, he's the founder of the Jewish people. The Gentiles also would be saved by faith. This was preached, the gospel was preached before to Abraham in saying, in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. How will all the nations of the earth be blessed through Abraham? Because through Abraham would come the one who would be the savior of all the world, not just the savior for the Jewish people. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. What he means here is those who share Abraham's faith, they enter into the covenant, the covenant of salvation that God made with Abraham. They become the spiritual descendants. Now, salvation is only by faith in Messiah. So this leads to a question. Listen carefully. The question then is, well, what about the physical descendants? Abraham has all these physical descendants who are the Jewish people, who since Abraham 2000, 2100 BC, until this very year, multitudes, multitudes of physical descendants, the Jewish people, only a remnant of them have believed in Messiah. He's the father of this huge nation of people through Isaac. And the promise of salvation comes through him. But only a remnant, a small portion of his physical descendants, physical descendants, actually share his faith. Has God failed? Is his promises, are they null? This was the question that was on people's minds, and Paul wrestled with it himself. And he answers it in Romans chapter 11. Would you turn back to the left there, just a few pages, you're in Galatians. Turn to Romans chapter 11. Here's the answer. And there's some things here I'll make sure we're very clear of today. It's very important for us in this age in which we live. Paul asked the question. Chapter 11, verse 1 of Romans. I ask then, has God rejected his people, meaning the people of Israel, the physical descendants of Abraham? Has God rejected them since so few of them believe? By no means, or God forbid, I myself am an Israelite, Paul says. I'm a descendant of Abraham physically. I'm a member of the tribe of Judah. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. He says, no, he's not rejected his people. So what's going on? Even in Paul's day, until this very day, friends, what is happening? So many people around the world are coming to Messiah. But so few of Abraham's physical descendants are coming, it seems. 
Listen to what Paul says in verse 25. Here's the answer. Romans 11:25. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I don't want you to be unaware of the mystery, brothers. Now, mystery in the New Testament does not mean something hard to figure out. It means something that is now being revealed. You could never figure it out, but now it's being revealed. So when Paul speaks about a mystery, he says, I want you to understand what's being revealed. Here it is. A partial hardening has come upon Israel. That is the physical descendants of Abraham. A partial hardening, a blindness, a hardening of their heart against Messiah has happened until... If you mark your Bible, mark that word until. Circle it. This partial hardening and blindness will not last forever. Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. What did Jesus say? He wanted the gospel to go to all the people of the earth. All the nations, the people groups, the Gentiles from around the globe have come these 2,000 years to trust in the Jewish Messiah, the Messiah of the world, Jesus Christ. He says, this hardness, this blindness will continue among the physical descendants of Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved as it is written, the deliverer will come. From Zion, he will banish ungodliness from Jacob. Jacob is used as a symbol for the entire people of Israel. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel right now, yeah, they're enemies. They, they're not accepting the gospel the way you Gentiles are. But as regards to God's election, God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers, for the sake of the promises God made to Abraham and those after him, because the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. What God has promised to give, he will give. He never goes back on his word. Now, do you see this, my friends? This is what has taken place. Who are the spiritual descendants of Abraham? The spiritual descendants of Abraham are all those who share the faith of Abraham. They believe in God. They believe the testimony of God in Jesus Christ. And those who believe enter into the covenant relationship that God had with Abraham. My friend, my question for you today, are you a son or daughter of Abraham? Do you know that you know that you know that you have believed in Jesus, the Messiah, the son of Abraham, and because of him, your faith in him, you have been accounted righteous before God? Do you know that? My friend, make sure you know that. If you have doubt in your heart, you plead with God to help you to see that the hope of salvation is not in yourself. It's not in your good works. It's not in this church. 
It's not in religious observances. But if you believe in Jesus, the son of Abraham and his sacrifice for you, then you are declared not guilty. Not guilty. That's the promise. The promise. Jew, Gentile, all who believe are declared righteous. Now, my friend, what do we see today? What do we need to understand? Clearly, the very existence of the Jewish people to this day is a miraculous sign of God. Never in the history of the world has a people been dispersed, scattered, and come back to their homeland. God said in the last days, before the coming of Christ, the day of the Lord, that he would say to the nations of the earth, give up my people and the people of Israel would return and come back. Friend, listen to me. In 1900, do you know how many Jewish people were in Palestine in 1900? 25,000. Today, 4 million. After the Holocaust, after the persecution, after the rejection, every day, planes coming with Jewish people back to Israel. Today, four million Jewish people in Israel, 3.5 million or so in the United States. About 85 or 90 percent of the Jewish people of the world live in Israel now or the United States. But they're there in unbelief. I want to say something to you. The Israel we're reading about in the Bible that will be saved is not the Israeli government. The Israeli government does right when it does things God says are right. Not everything the Israeli government does is right. They do many things that are wrong. But God has brought the people back. They're there in unbelief. 45% of the Israelites today in Israel, Jewish people, are atheists or agnostic. But God said to Ezekiel, I'll bring them back bone on bone, flesh on flesh. Ezekiel saw the whole nation standing there, but they were dead. God said to Ezekiel, can these people live again? Ezekiel said, oh, you know, Lord, and then the Lord blew into them his breath of life, and they became alive. This is what I want you to understand. The blessing of God is not ultimately physical descent. It's the blessing of God in knowing the God of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, and mark it down, this is what Paul is promising in here in chapter 11. That in the latter days, God in his sovereign grace will move upon the hard-hearted physical descendants of Abraham. And incredible hosts of them will come 
to believe in Jesus as their Savior. They'll look on him whom they have pierced and mourn for him like a son. And the nation, like a nation, will be born. And it'll happen in that terrible last days of Jacob's trouble, the great tribulation. But my friend, God will keep his promises. But we need to keep our minds right. We need to understand that the only hope there is today is not your physical birth, whether you're a descendant of Abraham or not. The hope to which we point people is Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of all people. Amen. And that is the hope. That is our goal. Our goal and our purpose on this earth is not to stand politically with a nation. Our purpose is to uphold the Messiah of that nation, Jesus Christ, and to share his hope with everyone, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. And yes, people that we agree with their lifestyle and people whose lifestyle with whom we don't agree because the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. And friends, that's our hope. Mark it down. What God said to Abraham is going to happen. But it's happening not because of physical descent, but because of the faith of Abraham. God's covenant promise with Abraham. He promised him prominence. I will make you great. Three religions, the three great religions of the world trace themselves to Abraham. Did you know that? The Jews, the Muslims, and the Christians all trace back to Abraham. But the blessing of Abraham was passed down through Isaac. And Isaac had a son and the blessing of the covenant passed to one of those sons, Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons and 12 tribes came out of that. And to one of those tribes, the covenant promise was made to Judah. And to those 12, that one tribe, there was a family the covenant promise came to. That's the family of Jesse. And to one of the eight sons of Jesse, there came the promise to his youngest son, David, who would become king. And he said, from you will come the son of David. And in the fullness of time, born of the descendant of David through Mary and his adopted, mother, adopted father, Joseph, came Jesus of Nazareth, the hope of the world. Amen. A prominence. He promised a people. He said, your descendants will be as the stars. Now, friends... That's more than just physical descendants. Think of all the spiritual descendants of Abraham. Untold, untold, hundreds of millions, billions. The promise of property. He said, I give you this land. I even give you the boundaries, the river of Egypt to the Euphrates. This is yours, your land. I promise it to you. And then he gave him the promise of peace. He said, in you shall all the nations of the earth be what? Blessed. How would that happen? Because there would be born from Abraham one who would be called in due season the Prince of Peace. Thank God for a Savior like we have.
a covenant-keeping God that we can follow. And we can say, lead us, Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, Doug told you to pack your lunch. (laughs) But it's past lunchtime. So we'll open up about Abraham next time. But isn't it wonderful to know that we can share in the blessings of Abraham as we share in the blessing of his descendant, Lord of all, Jesus Christ. Amen? And we can say, Lord, as you led Abraham, you lead me.